today on the Dental Experience Podcast. The critical role that your team plays in your success. We have a mission to help people and advance to the next level. Why do you do what you do? You know, an embezzlement scheme that you had to, to work through. We got out of the chair and pulled the gun. And You can't be like this. The office basically burned up. And that's a hard adjustment for a lot of people. To make our dream office. It actually kind of brings a smile to my face, my face, my face, my face. This. This. This is the Dental Experience Podcast. Here's your host, Ryan Vett. The Transportation Security Administration has limited the size and quantity of items that may be carried through the security checkpoint. Regardless of whether you are a frequent flyer or just the occasional vacationer, at some point I can guarantee that you've had an encounter with the TSA. You're probably used to the long lines and someone telling you to take a laptop out of a bag and the next person telling you to keep it in the bag and same with your shoes, either on or off your feet. The reality is the TSA provides safety for 2 million passengers every single day and I'm so grateful for everything that they do. Think about how mundane it must be for them to repeat over and over and over again, take your water out of your bag, throw it away, make sure your laptop's out, you can keep your shoes on, you must take your shoes off. Oftentimes people get frustrated with the TSA officers for just doing their job and keeping us safe. Dentistry is not altogether that different. People come in for a routine cleaning and maybe a cavity here or there, but at the end of the day, they often do so grumbling and complaining, not thankful to be there. Well, a TSA officer in Seattle recently understood that people didn't always like standing in line, and so he took the initiative to make a difference. The TSA has a $7 billion budget in the United States, but it cost them no money to have that one officer decide he was going to do something different, sing a song, and make an experience worth sharing for everyone that walked through that line. Some passerby decided to pull out their phone and record that song and share it with their friends, which has then been shared over and over and over again. See, once again, we have a perfect example of someone taking a mundane job and taking an ordinary opportunity and turning it into the extraordinary. They're doing something extremely important by keeping us safe every single day and keeping millions of passengers safe. However, this officer took his job to a whole new level by making sure people enjoyed the process of staying safe. What free or simple thing can you do in your line of work today to make an experience worth sharing for everyone that you come into contact with? And now, back to the Dental Experience Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Dental Experience Podcast. I'm excited to have with me Dr. Bill Simon. He is a dentist with over 30 years of experience. He loves to help new dentists. His experiences, which he's going to share with us over the course of this episode, are truly incredible in how he has managed to navigate really positive experiences and experiences that have really shaped some of his thinking to inspire others. So, Dr. Bill Simon, welcome on board. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I'd love for you to start by just kind of talking about where you are today in your practice and sort of how your practice is, and then we'll go back and hear some of your story on how you got there. Sure. Uh, I've been in private practice now for 35 years, just celebrated my 35-year anniversary in August, and uh, I came out of dental school. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I came out of dental school in 1983 out of Southern Illinois University, and uh, 
I associated with a, a what I would consider to be a, a rundown Medicaid practice on the north side of the city. And uh, throughout uh, the early years of my career, I, I went through the, the College of Hard Knocks, I would say, and eventually was able to evolve into the practice that we have today. And at this point, we have a, a fee-for-service practice on the north side of Chicago. And we have five doctors and um, 25 team members that uh, actually split time between our, our two locations. We have a second office that's on the south side of Chicago, the near south side, and it's a little bit of a different approach to providing care. It's a, a Medicaid-based practice that serves a, an under underserved community, actually, uh, with a, a lot of need for care. So between the two offices, we, we have a, a lot of activity and we enjoy what we do and we have a mission to help people and that's what we're all about. That's awesome. And you're currently the chair of the Illinois State Dental Society Access to Care Committee, right? Yes, that's correct. And so it seems like your office on the the south side might be more catered to that demographic? Exactly, yes. It's kind of it's kind of like having a a, a foot in in two different uh, approaches to providing dental care. Yeah. Well, well that's wonderful. And I grew up actually in St. Charles, which is a western uh, suburb in the Chicagoland area. So uh, I love uh, Chicago and I love the city and miss being there a lot, especially in the summertime during uh, some of the warmer months that you have there. But it's a great city. (laughs) I welcome everybody. It's a wonderful, wonderful city. When the weather's good, there's no better place. Absolutely. And I think you're speaking at the Chicago Midwinter next year. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So if you haven't been to Chicago Midwinter, uh, it's definitely one of the uh, more premier dental shows in the U.S. and highly recommend going. And you can hear Dr. Simon speak next year. But uh, your practice hasn't always been the way it is today. Um, And you have quite the incredible story from uh, robbery at gunpoint to, you know, an embezzlement scheme that you had to, to work through and multiple practice acquisitions, fires, uh, and everything else. Uh, I would say your journey has not been easy, and a lot of people want to go start a dental practice, which is exciting and a, a, a really worthy venture. But at the same time, there's definitely some obstacles that might pop up, probably not quite in your case. But do you mind sharing, kind of walking through your story of uh, becoming an associate and then after when you started your own practices, what that looked like and some of the incredible things that you had to endure? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, it's uh, it's been a long road, and uh, it's been uh, at times a rocky road. And I think it all started, Ryan, when I, I got out of school and, and associated in the uh, the practice on the north side of, of the city of Chicago. It was a, as I said before, a rundown Medicaid practice. And uh, one of the, my one of my stories is how I, I associated in that pra- practice, not knowing that the owner of the practice. Uh, who who was a dentist, but was not a dentist in in the United States, actually. So in, in our state of Illinois, it's required that you have a, a license uh, to uh, in order to own a, a dental practice. So I found myself in a position where I was in a practice that was not being run in the uh, in a in a legal fashion. Actually, that started wow. some of the challenges. Tried to make some arrangements to take over the practice, didn't work out. We uh, we ended up. Uh, moving the practice four doors down, basically uh, in the dark of night, uh, in order to uh, establish ourselves, and, and so that's incredible. Uh, and, and that was that was about eight eight nine years uh, into into my career, and then the the new facility that we built out to house the practice that I moved over. I mean, it's a very long and convoluted story, and it's, it seems for me that all of the challenges that I faced. Uh, and I'll mention a couple more of those moving forward. Uh, all of the challenges uh, have ended up being just uh, 
great opportunities really to uh, advance to the next level. I don't encourage new dentists to look for uh, uh, practices that don't have uh, uh, legal uh, legal setups or uh, right. or uh, other disasters, but it certainly is something uh, responding to challenges is one of the best ways I see growing. So we moved the practice to four doors down and we were there for a number of 15 years, 16 years. And then uh, one day uh, we were faced with an office fire. The office basically burned up and we were forced out of the space and we were in the street, we worked out of three different offices. Some friends of mine's, uh, some friends of mine offered to share space with us, and we were kind of a traveling roadshow out of three different offices for a month until we located a, uh, a an abandoned dental office. If you can imagine that, we found an abandoned dental office that had five operatories, and we moved from uh, the uh, the burned out space into that temporary office where we uh, practiced for two years and. Uh, looked for uh, a site to rebuild. And two years later, we opened up our, our new practice uh, on the north side of Chicago, which was our dream office. So we took the opportunity of the fire to uh, to make our dream office, but certainly a lot That's of wonderful. lessons learned out of the fire. Uh, and, and the thing, it was as if all of the things revolving around practice management uh, and, and owning a practice and, and running a practice were just dropped on us all at once. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been blessed with a, a very a incredible group of people all along, uh, throughout my career. I, and we can talk more about the, the critical role that your team plays in your success, if you like, later in our conversation. But for me, uh, without the people that were surrounding me, there was no way that we could have accomplished what we did. Uh, and other things that we've, uh, we've dealt with, we did have a, an occasion. Of course, we are in Chicago, and we know that Chicago now is, seems to uh, be uh, known for its gun violence, unfortunately. And this about 15, uh, 20 years ago, we we had a case where a, a patient came into our, our office uh, with claiming they had a toothache, and we got them into the operatory. And the next thing we know, the patient got out of the chair and pulled a gun and robbed us at gunpoint. Wow. and. That was a challenging experience, but uh, I have a, the old saying, that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So all of these different challenges we've had have, have really made us stronger. And it's it's really put me, I think, in a position where I can help young dentists with uh, a lot of different types of advice relating to running a practice. I've just been through a lot of challenges that have, have required me to respond. We had a um, an embezzlement scheme at, at our underserved practice at our at our Medicaid practice. Uh, it's called Sonrisa Urbana. We had a number of years ago, we had a, an embezzlement scheme between an associate doctor, the office manager, and one of the team members that we had wow. to work through. And uh, then we had a lost lease at that practice. And we had a month to find a new space. And uh, the, we ended up in a temporary facility at that office for six months and built out an office in about about eight months and moved into that office. Uh, just uh, so you by know. my count, yeah, by my count, you've had six buildouts and nine locations across your different offices over the years. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I think that sounds right. Although at my at this point, I, I the, the exact numbers I lose track of, but that sounds right, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely incredible. And uh, did you inspire the country song? Doesn't kill you, makes you Kill you makes you stronger. Is that based on your your life story? I think it is, and and if it's not, I think we need to write a new country song. <laughs> there you go. 
Well, that's fantastic. And I think one of the things that's so interesting is your resilience. And you mentioned team, and I do want to come back to that in just a moment. But your fourth month after the fire, after you'd moved several different office locations and you'd done the the space sharing arrangements, uh, not only did you have production up, but up to that point, it was your best production month in practice history. Is that correct? That is, that is absolutely correct. Four months after our fire, uh, in the in the office that had four operatories, we were in the street for a month, uh, sharing space at three different offices. Moved into our temporary location um, uh, a month after the fire, and three months into the temporary location, we had the best production month in the history of the practice. Then the temporary location was a, a five operatory office, so we had a little more. Sp- a capacity and spa- uh, space to work with. But nonetheless, yeah, that's that's what we did. That's incredible. And and you mentioned team just a minute ago, and that's what I want to come back to now. Did your team walk through all of this with you? Yes. I I, I can tell you that I still have in my employee uh, five of the team members who uh, went through that ex- the, the fire experience. Uh, that's like incredible. I said, we being- we have uh, we have 25 employees now, so we're we're at a different uh, place and time and a, a different level right. of need. But uh, those five core employees were instrumental in in our success of getting through that event for sure. That's wonderful. Being out of dental school, you go and you're an associate, and all of a sudden you have more or less assistants and hygienists reporting to you. If you're even if you're an associate, and if you go and own a practice, you have a whole team reporting to you. And that's a hard adjustment for a lot of people because that's not necessarily those leadership skills aren't necessarily something that are taught in dental school. And so how would you say you were able to lead that team? Because it, it clearly takes a leader to be able to to navigate those situations whenever a team is tested under fire like that. And, and no pun intended, um, you know, there, <laughs> there really is a, a huge amount of leadership that goes into that. How much of that did you learn on the job? And what were some of your biggest wins? And what are some of the mistakes you made that you'd recommend to our listeners not to do in, in times of trial like that? Well, first of all, I can tell you that a lot of uh, my leadership skills at that point in time were not well developed at all. And, and I really did lean on uh, a lot of my team to help me with that, particularly I, I have uh, a business manager right now uh, who's been with me for for 24 years, and uh, she's one of the best leaders I know. She is, uh, for those of you who are familiar with uh, ADOM, American Association of Dental Office Managers, she's a FADOM Absolutely. through ADOM, uh, one of the uh, initial classes, actually, to become a FADOM, and she's uh, been a tremendous leader. And so, you know, I, I, I can never take credit for all of those things that happened, I can tell you that after that fire, we were sitting in the in the lower level of the building that the fire was in in another space just uh, the day of the fire, and I was sitting in the chair with my shoulders slumped. And uh, her name's Adriana. Adriana came up to me and she just looked at me and said, "You you you can't be like this. You've got to you've got to be strong. We need you to be mm. strong." And so she really inspired me to then, uh, at, at that point, really rise up and say, okay, I, I've got to get to this. And really what I found is that leadership is something that I think some people are born leaders. Some people are, uh, can learn to be leaders. Uh, but to to in either case, anybody can become a great leader. But it takes a lot of work. It takes uh, attention to the things that are going to inspire your team. It takes a lot of uh, of listening to 
your team. It takes uh, reading a lot from other leaders, surrounding yourself with expert leaders who can help you and mentor you to become the leader that you want to be. And uh, I'm at a point in my career, 35 down, years down the road, where, yeah, I'm a better leader now than, than certainly I was when, when I got out of dental school and even 10 years out of dental school. But I'm still a long way from being a great leader. And uh, I'm always working on it. I think leadership is something that you always have to work work at and work on. And I think particularly for new dentists, uh, it's just important to surround yourself with people who are good leaders, experts in the field, uh, learn from uh, leadership people. We, we read a lot of books uh, as a team here in our office, things like uh, Raving Spans, Leaders Eat Last, uh, is uh, by Simon Sinek. Uh, it's Your Ship is a, a, a book written by a, a navy a navy cap uh, a navy commander. Uh, a lot of leadership books. We go to a, we do a lot of leadership podcasts. We do a lot of things that help us to to learn more about being better leaders. So that's what I would encourage young dentists to do. And what, I think one of the challenges young dentists face is that they're put in a position where. Uh, there as an associate, you, you have to kind of wear two hats It's yeah, you, you have to be a dentist, but at the same time, you have to lead the team and you have to lead the team in the face of the team potentially looking at you as not the owner doctor. And I, right. I think that that's a, a very challenging things for young, for young dentists to navigate through. Uh, but I think that it's something that's certainly um, doable and uh, with some good uh, attention to leadership skills and and really just doing as much as you can to to learn these things it it will help young dentists to navigate through that absolutely and i think it's applicable to all dentists i don't think necessarily you have to be a young dentist to employ these leadership learnings i, I think so many people feel like you know once they've reached a certain point they don't need to learn anymore and i love that 35 years in here you are and you're encouraging not just yourself to read and learn and i've read some of those books you just mentioned i'll put a link to them in the show notes because i think they're great especially um the the leaders eat last i think that's a phenomenal book yes. but I think it's important that you also have your team read with you. And I don't know if many practices do that. How has the response been from your team when you encourage them to read a book or, or walk through some sort of leadership learning together? Well, the response is very is very positive, actually. And, and it, of course, then it's very dependent on the people that you surround your, yourself with and the team that you create. And I, I think the, the bigger your team is, the potentially the more challenging it is to get all the people on the bus. Uh, there's another leadership book we we've read called uh, the energy bus uh, which talks about getting the right people on the bus so the people who respond well to those types of things and and understand what the mission of the practice is and why we do what we do are very excited about the opportunity to share those kinds of uh, of activities and what we also find then are the the team members who might show some level of trepidation of involvement in those things maybe, they're not the right people or the right fit for, for our practice. And, and, and I'll tell you another thing that I, I did want to add in, I was thinking about earlier, is that uh, when you talk to the experts, uh, it's important to understand also that, that experts, they are experts in, in leadership. They may be leader, uh, experts in practice management, uh, but nobody knows your practice the way that you know your practice. So I would encourage all dentists to think about what your mission is and what your big why is, why you do what you do, and understand that that might not always match necessarily 
what the uh, all of the consultants are saying about how you how you go about uh, making your practice as successful as it can be. There's different definitions of success, but getting back to the the team and how they respond, they respond well. They love it. It's it's a it's it's fun going to work when we're doing things like that. That's great. Out of reading all your leadership books and then walking through so many things with your team, obviously walking through trials builds com- uh, camaraderie. What do you think is your biggest leadership lesson that you've learned where you might not have necessarily done it right the first time? And if you could go back, you'd do it differently or you'd recommend some recommend a different course of action to someone maybe walking through some sort of trial or or big change right now in their practice? That, that, that's a great question. And that, I'll tell you, Ryan, there are many of those, actually. And it actually kind of brings a smile to my face because some of them are just uh, <laughs> some of them are just great memories. But I could tell you that. Here, here's two. Well, I'll, I'm going to start off with just a one small lesson that I would encourage all uh, dentists to remember. And that is uh, if one of your teammates comes to you and tells you that, you're, that, that they are pregnant, uh, you need to become the happiest person in the world at that moment. <laughs> I learned that lesson in a very difficult way. Uh, and I, we've, we, our practice last year, we uh, we gave birth to five babies in our practice last year. Five of our employees wow. gave birth. Well, actually one doctor and four of the employees. So uh, you, you learn those kinds of lessons as things go, go, uh, go through the course of your career. But certainly that's number one is if somebody comes to you and says that, be the happiest person in the world. But a, a more overarching statement is that I would say that uh, it's important to know that uh, your team comes first and your patients actually come second. When I came out of dental school uh, in 83, uh, that wasn't the mindset at all. And there are plenty of doctors out there and there's plenty of things being written and spoken about now where there are uh, things going on in dental offices where uh, team members are being treated in, in disrespectful fashions. And I've learned in my course of uh, my career that your team comes number one. Your patients come number two. And there are many dentists that don't, do not assign to that. And you can't do what you want to do if you don't have your team place number one. If you have your team num- place number one and they understand the mission, then the patients will get the care that they deserve. And, and so that for me is the biggest message. I think that's great. I think uh, a practical illustration is uh, Chick-fil-A. If you look at how they manage their team, um, you've got a fast food chain that people enjoy going to. And I, I don't think most people enjoy going to fast food. Uh, they might enjoy the food, but the process of getting food might not always be the most pleasurable. But at, at Chick-fil-A, they focus on team first, customer second. And every single customer is treated better than any other fast food chain. So I think just because you put your team first, it actually means your patients are getting better care than probably most other places that they they might go. They'll have that extraordinary experience they can share with others. So I I love that principle because it really, it's a trickle-down effect. Yes, I I agree 100% with what you're saying. I I would also say that um, people like going to the dentist less than Chick-fil-A. That is true. That is true. We're even even dealing with a service that's even more challenging to provide in a way that people will at least be uh, comfortable with it. 
<laughs> if the dentist gave me milkshakes, I might be more apt to going to the dentist more frequently. But <laughs> yes, that's good. Well, I, I just want to uh, kind of recap everything that we've said because I think you've brought up some incredible points about just managing a team, walking through trials with a team, the fact that leaders learn, and I think that's such a crucial crucial idea, no matter whether or not you're in dental school still, whether you're just out or whether you've been practicing for 35 years, I think always learning and not just going to the CE courses. And I think that's something that uh, we didn't directly say here, but obviously get your CE. I'm not discouraging that, but you're talking about doing additional learning, learning that helps you as a person, because if you help yourself personally, you're helping yourself professionally. I think that's that's wonderful. Uh, Dr. Simon, what advice would you give to a new dentist uh, just getting out of school, they they have everything in front of them. They're super excited, and then they go to their first day of practice. And the story I hear so often is they're totally defeated because they were overwhelmed, and it just wasn't what they thought the first day out in, in the real world. What advice would you give them to navigate those waters and set themselves up for the most success that they can have in their own definition of success, which is something you pointed out and I like, um, but so that they can have a, a thriving life a thriving team and thriving patients. What what advice would you give to that new dentist? Uh, well, I, I think uh, first of all, it's, it would be important to understand what what they met that didn't meet their expectations in the first place. So that that those kinds of things can be uh, across the board. And uh, could be income. It could be uh, their their ability to provide care. Just a, a lot of things that uh, would need to be learned as far as what didn't meet expectations. But I think going in, I, I like to in, encourage young dentists and, and new graduates to go in, certainly for the first five years at least, with an attitude of some flexibility and an attitude that you're still somewhat on a learning, a, a, a very a, a extensive learning curve. Uh, certainly, you don't get a lot of information about practice management and, and uh, leadership out of dental school. It's mostly learning how to practice dentistry, the, the practical side of dentistry. And so I would encourage everybody to uh, look at their first five years out as almost a, a residency program of sorts and one where they can be flexible. Mm -hmm. Don't don't look to step your foot into something the day out of school that's going to be your long-term uh, position for your career. And look for ways to expose yourself to as many different types of practices, types of um, uh, of uh, clinical skills and types of learning that you can. Uh, I would even encourage new graduates to heavily consider uh, uh, AEGD programs or, uh, or residence, GPR residency programs. I think that's another great way to, to put learning first. Uh, I, I look at learning as, as kind of a, as an investment similar to the way that money grows exponentially and, and, and the power of, of uh, compound interest. Uh, the more that you can learn early on, the more powerful your knowledge becomes as you go through your career. So putting yourself That's in a good. position where you can be flexible, perhaps work out of a couple, even three different offices, just uh, trying to manage your debt service, uh, of course, that's the, a big <laughs> issue now for young dentists. You've got to position yourself to manage the debt service. But if you can do it in a way where your 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 cash flow is serving you and at the same time you're exposing yourself to different approaches to providing dental care and, and the different systems and the different clinical skills that are out there, look at it as, a, as another five-year learning curve and, and also to use that time to uh, to establish your 
your mission and your your big why. Why do you do what you do? In other words, your definition of success. And and it, I I have a, a saying that you know there are there are dental students right now that have no intention of practice dentistry. Uh, they just want to get a license and own offices. So their 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 definition of success is being a business person, not a care provider. And then we have dentists who are on the other end of the spectrum who just want to provide dental care. They have a, a caring approach to their career. So defining your definition of success and exposing yourself to all the different ways that you can potentially affect that early on is, is critical. And I think at the five-year point, you can be at a point at a place where then you can start to answer questions like, do I want to perhaps buy a practice or do I want to start up a practice uh, and get a, a lot more, uh, a better foot forward in that, that regard with, with not in a, be in a position where you don't have to learn from as many mistakes as you might if you start early. That's great. And I really appreciate that advice. I think it's extremely sound advice and wise and based on a lot of experiences that you've had that hopefully most of the listeners will not have to endure uh, throughout their, their lifetime, but hopefully they'll be able to glean some of the learnings yes. and insights that you've provided. Uh, I just want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time to really share with these listeners today, no matter whether they're first year out of dental school or they've been practicing for quite some time, I think this has been just a really encouraging and insightful conversation. How can someone get in touch with you if they want to just learn more about uh, what you have to offer, hear you speak? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, you can certainly reach me best by email, and I have a, a, a couple email addresses. Uh, go to uh, uh, newdentistadvisor.com. You can learn more about me there. You can email me at uh, bill at newdentistadvisor.com, or you can also email me at drwsimon at citysmilesonline.com. Certainly anybody that needs some mentoring or some, some advice from me, I'm happy to share a phone conversation. I'm happy to share an email exchange, anything that I can be of help. I'm happy to, to be there for them. Well, that's wonderful. And you also have your speaking calendar on that website, correct? Yes, yes. That's perfect. So you can see where Dr. Simon's going to be in a city near you to hear uh, more of his story. And he goes more in depth. I've heard him speak before and just really inspiring and encouraging and lots of valuable lessons, uh, no matter where you are in life. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, for your time. And I look forward to hearing you speak at Chicago Midwinter, if not before. And uh, best of luck as you continue with your practice. Great, great. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dental Experience Podcast. For show notes, to ask a question, or for more information, visit www.thedentalpodcast.com. The ideas discussed during this episode are the opinions of the participants and do not serve as legal, financial, or clinical advice. Until next time, this is the Dental Experience Podcast. <laughs>